Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. Hey, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to a, a great service today already. Um, I want to mention one thing before I get into this message that's coming up real soon. Just a few weeks, we have our Lake Norman permanent campus launch. Come on. Come on. Isn't that fantastic? And so we're having a special weekend, but on the 18th, which is that Friday night, we are going to have a special service where everybody from all the campuses can come together and participate. We're going to have a night of worship. We call it an encounter, but um, it's really a night of worship and prayer for the building and, and for the people that are going to be serving there because we know everybody else is going to be at church on Sunday so they can't come to Lake Norman. Um, you'll be serving. I know many of you serve on Sunday mornings. You come on Saturday night so you can serve on Sunday mornings. But make sure you mark this on your calendar because we want all the church to come. We want to pack it out. We want to pray for the building. We want to pray for what God's going to do in that community. And if you're kind of wondering, you know, because I think if I were coming here for any length of time or even if I'm new here, uh, why do you have multiple campuses? Well, we want to be the local church in every local community. We've discovered that people typically will only drive about 20 minutes uh, to find a good church. And so we want to be that good church wherever they are. Amen? Y'all here tonight? You ready? All right. All right. Hey, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Get your Bibles out. Get your pens out. I am going to finish up this series that we're doing called anthropology. We're talking about the study of humans. We're talking about how we work on the inside. So I'm going to read this verse beginning in verse 1 of Mark chapter 4. It says, and again, he, Jesus, began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat, sat, it, it, sat on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many parables, many things by parables, and said to them in his teaching, listen. Everybody say, listen. Look at your neighbor. Say, listen up. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened. That's what I love it when the Bible says it happened. That's where they got the bumper sticker from. It happened. As he sowed, that some fell, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed, everybody say some seed. I'm going to say it again. Say some seed. Fell among thorns, and the thorns grew and choked it and yielded no crop. But other seed, everybody say other seed. Fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60 and 100. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Can we read that last phrase all together? Ready? One, two, three. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You sound so good. Let's do it one more time. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When I was in middle school, um, I don't know if you remember being in middle school, but middle school was a little challenging for me. Uh, I was a little kid. I probably weighed about 100 pounds. I was real skinny. And I got in a lot of fights, except I didn't win many of them. Uh, and so, I, you know, I, it just wasn't a very, it wasn't a good time for me in middle school. And I didn't do very well in school in the sense of I never really paid attention. 
And so um, I never read anything. I didn't like to read. And so one of my friends told me uh, a skill that he had developed. And I was coming upon a test. It was a test I was going to have to take in middle school. And he told me, he said, Troy, let me just give you a little secret. If you, if you put the book underneath your pillow before you go to bed, when you wake up in the morning, you'll learn everything that you need to learn. And I was like, man, this is a great idea. Anybody ever tried that? Anybody? Come on, be honest with me. A couple of you did. You did it. You know what I'm talking about. Um, and you know exactly what happened. You know, I, I didn't prepare for the test. It comes to the day. I procrastinated like we all do. And I get to that place where I, it's the night before, and I'm trying to cram. And so what I did is I stuck the book under my pillow. And you know exactly what happened. I failed the test. Because everybody knows you need to open the book when you put it underneath the pillow. And then you learn everything. All right. We know that doesn't work, but oftentimes that's how we kind of treat God. If we just get close enough that we'll get everything that we need from Him. Tonight, I want to just talk to you a little bit about seed, soil, and significance. Seed, soil, and significance. This parable that Jesus tells is a very significant parable in the life of his teachings. Matter of fact, Jesus makes this statement in Mark chapter 4, verse 13. He said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? In other words, what Jesus is saying in this particular moment is, you better learn what I'm saying in this particular story, this principle This particular series of teaching that I'm giving to you because this is really the centrality of what I'm trying to get across to mankind. I really want you to understand. I know we've all looked at maps before. This was before uh, your iPhone. But back in the old school when they had paper maps, they used to have a key where you had to look at the key And it would say one inch equals 10 miles or one inch equals 100 miles or whatever it may be. And you had to, in order to figure out how long it was going to take you to get somewhere, you had to use the key. What Jesus is telling us is this parable is a key to all of his teaching. All of his teaching. And I would encourage you, uh, maybe later, maybe this week, is to just read Mark chapter 4, the entire chapter. Spend some time with it because if this is a key, I better know what this key is. If I want to live the life that God has destined me to live, if I want to be all that God has for me to be, let me say it another way. If I want to grow into the person that God has called me to be, then I got to know what the key is. And see, here's the thing about Jesus, and here's the thing that I've discovered about God. He wants us all to grow. He wants you to grow. He he desires for you to mature. He wants you to grow up. Come on, some of y'all, that's why you got married, because he wants you to grow up. Come on. Because marriage ain't meant to make you happy, it's meant to grow you up. Amen. Can I get an amen from all the men in here said, amen. That's right, pastor. You nailed it right there on the... Well, Jesus knows and God knows that there's more on us to grow than it is on him. Now, that may be shocking, but it's just like putting the book underneath your pillow. You're not going to just gain knowledge by osmosis. There is a part that you have to play. There is a very significant role that you have to play. Now, I told you a few weeks back that there's a way to look at parables. And you should always ask three questions. Everybody say three questions. Now, if you missed this message that I talked about, I'm going to give you the three questions right now because you need to answer these three questions in regards to this parable. The first question that you need to answer is, who am I in the parable? So who am I in the parable? When he describes the parable, who am I? Who am I supposed to be? Now, I'll give you a hint, 
Okay, I'm going to tell you who you are. But if you read on through Mark chapter 4, he actually explains this parable. The only time in the Bible where he explains the parable. Like he breaks it down for us that are a little slow. Can I get an amen? Amen. But who are we in this parable? We are the ground. We are the ground. Your heart is the soil. Your heart. My heart. Now, the next question that you need to answer is who is God in the parable? Now, God actually plays two significant roles in this parable. The first is he's the sower. He's the one that sows the seed. And guess what? He's the seed. He's not just the sower, but he's also the seed because the seed is the word of God. And God's word is him. Matter of fact, he sent his word on the earth and his name is Jesus. So our relationship, so right off the bat, we've got two very important questions that are answered in regards to this parable. Who am I? I'm the soil. I'm the ground. And secondly, God is the sower and also the seed. He's the word of God. Now, the third question that we have to answer is what is the principle that God is trying to get across to us? And I think that's a good question. And here's the principle if you want to write this down. The principle is your soil determines your fruit. Your soil determines your seed growth. In other words, sowing is universal. Sowing is universal. It's universal. Meaning that God's word, God's seed, is no respecter of persons. No respecter of persons. Now, I hear people say this all the time. Well, it didn't work for me. Well, I don't think. Hold time out. Time out. No, no. God's word is going to work. Matter of fact, he says in Hebrews chapter 4, he says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's powerful. Everybody say powerful. God's word is powerful. So we can't say, well, it didn't work for me. I tithed and it didn't work for me. Time out. It's not God's fault, nor is it the word's fault. Are y'all with me? Okay, because that's what we tend to, we are easily to push responsibility somewhere else. That's our tendency. We love to push responsibility onto somebody else. And God's a good person to give him responsibility for it. Because we don't have to deal with him every day. We can kind of put him on the shelf and just see him on Sundays. Can I get amen? And so God, you know, we just want to be, you just be responsible. It didn't work for me. I prayed, nothing happened, didn't work for me. Time out. God's word is no respecter of persons. It does not respect you. It is universal. However, growth is individual. Growth is individual. In other words, that means that growth is dependent. It's optional on me. It's optional. I don't have to grow. I can just stay the same for my entire life. Now, here's what I believe about staying the same. You can't stay the same. I think you go backwards. I don't think there's any way that you can stay status quo. I think you're always moving backwards. Can, can I get an amen? Now, that may be shocking to you, but if you decide I don't want to grow up, really what you're going to do is move backwards in your life because everybody else around you is probably going to move away from you because they want to grow. The other thing you got to understand about growth is not everybody wants you to grow. Because when you decide to grow, it puts pressure on them to change. Your friends, your family, the people around you. 
When you start getting in the word of God, when you start spending time with Jesus, people don't like that. They don't like the fact that you're changing. They don't like the fact that you're becoming a little more dependent on God and independent from them. They don't like that. They, they, they want you to be the same old, same old. They don't want you to lose 15 pounds. They, they want you to stay a little chubby just because it makes them feel better about their chubbiness. Can I get an amen? I mean, just the truth about it. Let's just be honest. You make them nervous by your growth. And so what Jesus does is he gives us how, really a progression, a process in which we must go through in order to grow. And that's what I want to talk. I want to talk about these different types of ground that we deal with. The first is found in Mark chapter 4 verse 15. And this is where Jesus begins to develop this parable. He tells them, hey, listen, you got to understand this key, and so I'm going to tell you the key. I'm going to give you the understanding that you need. And he pulls his disciples. He doesn't do this for the whole crowd. He just does it for his disciples. So he gives us kind of an inroad into this conversation that he has with his disciples. And he says this, the first ground or the first type of believer are the ones by the wayside. The wayside where the seed or the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, what is he talking about a wayside? He's talking about this path that exists around the farm. Where the sower would walk on this particular path and then spread seed out. And as a result of him walking on this particular path, he pats down the ground and some of that seed falls on that hard ground. Now, what I, the first thing that I want you to notice is that the path is really close to fertile soil. And so for me, I don't believe that Jesus is talking specifically about atheists and agnostics. People that are just totally resistant to the word of God. Matter of fact, what I believe Jesus is talking about is a lot of believers. And see, what they have is they have a hard heart. They have a hard heart. Why do they have a hard heart? Because they are the hurt believer. They're the hurt believer. They're the ones that that, that have a little hurt on them. And as a result of that hurt, what they end up doing is they create a hardness to the word of God. Now, we we call it sometimes relationally moving away from people. But in reality, what we're doing is stepping away from God. And so we got to be real careful that we don't allow our heart to become hard because of hurt. Because you're going to get hurt. Look at your neighbor say, you're going to get hurt. Some of you hurt right now. Some of you, 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 you're in this church today. You're trying to hide because you got hurt at your last church. You're not serving right now because you got hurt at your last church. And you can, you can say, I'm just, I'm just resting. But the truth is, is you've got some hurt that's caused you to be hard and as a result, you're not acting on the word of God. Because, because we can't say, well, it doesn't work for me if we're not doing it. And what ends up happening is, is when you're hurt, and, and the devil knows this. He, he knows this. I, I said this a few weeks ago. If, God, if the devil can't keep you out of heaven, he will make it feel like hell all the way there. That's what he wants to do. He wants to make it feel like hell all the way to heaven. How many of y'all have a birthmark? Raise your hand if you have a birthmark. Most of you do. I don't think I have one. I, I'm, you know, I haven't studied my body, but I don't think I have one. 
And uh, my wife says, no, I don't. So there's your answer right there. I don't. A little TMI right there on Saturday night. Just so you know. I didn't go that far. I just kind of laid it right on out there. Just... Raise your hand if you have a birthmark. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Most of us. Let me tell you, the birthmark of a believer is a bullseye. You have been targeted. As soon as you came out of your born-again womb, you have a bullseye on your back. And so the enemy knows, remember, he's the bird that takes away the seed. In other words, he knows how to harden your heart. He knows how to keep you away from the things that will make you fertile so that you can grow. This is good stuff, y'all. I'm just telling you right now. This is really good stuff. Because you're really close to the fertile ground. The pathway is right on the edge of great soil. The potential is there. All we got to do is know what it is the enemy is trying to do to harden our heart. And so there are these hardening agents. Here's what he says in John 10, 10. It says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, the thing that, that really bothered me for, my, my, for a long time when it came to this verse is what, because order matters in the Bible. Whenever you see order in the Bible, it's not happenstance. God gave us order specifically. So why didn't he say kill and destroy first? He said, steal first, because he wants to do everything he can to try to steal from you, to steal your life, steal your joy, steal your peace, steal your friends, steal your fellowship, steal your church, steal your future. Killing you is easy. Destroying you is easy. Stealing from you makes you miserable. Are you following what I'm talking about? And so, so Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts, and he hardens Our heart, how does he do it? Let me just give you five quick things that we need to be on the lookout for. Five things. Five things that the enemy will use. Number one is pride. Pride. What is pride? Pride pride is a cover-up for insecurity. That's what it is. Pride is cynicism. Pride is being unteachable. Pride is I'm right And I'll fight for my right to be right over relationship. I'm going to fight you. So I'm going to be prideful in the sense I'm going to be arrogant. I'm going to be over top of you. Regardless, pride is is a big issue. It's probably the biggest issue of all the issues that the enemy tries to seed in us. How do you know that you have pride? Well, first of all, somebody usually points it out to you. Because if you have pride, you never see that you have pride. So usually it's the people that are close to you. They get in your world and they, start, they, they reveal your blind spots. That's why, that's why relationships and community is so important. Is because all of us have a blind spot. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a blind spot. All of us do. All of us have a blind spot. Every one of us have a blind spot. And we need people around us to identify that blind spot. And pride is one of those areas that if we're not careful, we can live that out and push people away. So how do I know I have pride? I'm not teachable. Nobody can tell me no. And so we got to be careful. The second thing is offense. These are the top two. Offense picks off more Christians. I mean, big time. 
It just picks people off. What is offense? Offense is a trap. It's, it's, it's I've been mistreated by someone or it's the illusion that I've been mistreated by someone. And the reason why we end up in those places is because most of the time, if we're honest, we put unrealistic expectations on the person in whom we are mistreated by or the illusion of being mistreated by. And so if I put unrealistic expectations on you, and then most of the time I don't even tell you what those expectations are, and then I don't meet those expectations, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get offended. This is what happens with me, with you all the time. You put all kinds of expectation on me as a pastor, and I'll let you down. I'm just letting you know I'm going to let you down. I will offend you. I won't, say, I won't remember your name. I'm just telling you right now. I can barely remember my kids' names. My kids give me a hard time all the time because I go, Colby Cabo Cassidy, and I don't know who I'm talking to. So you're going to put unrealistic expectations, and typically it's the people that are closest to us that offend us the most. And the enemy uses this because we put unspoken, unrealistic expectations, and then they don't meet up to those, and then we get mad at them. We get really mad at them, and then we leave the relationship, and we live offended. Come on, this is good stuff. Just helping you grow. Look at your day, but just say, I got to grow, man. I got to grow. I got to grow. So how do, you, how do you deal with offense? You got to be unoffendable. It is a choice. Offense is always a choice. It's your choice. It's my choice. My choice. You say, well, yeah, you don't know what they did. Doesn't matter. Your choice. Well, you don't know what they said. Doesn't matter. It's your choice. Are you going to let what they said Determine the rest of your life? Are you going to allow that person, what they did to you, to control you for the rest of your life? Is that how you want to live? Is that how we want to live? Is that what we want to do? Is that, is that the way we want to live out the rest of our life here on this earth? Is by spending all of our time thinking about them when God has so much more to think for, for in the future? Why do we want to live that way? That's just dumb. Can, just being controlled by somebody else. I don't want to be controlled by somebody else. I want to be led by the Spirit. Can I get an amen? amen. So you got to choose to be unoffendable. The third one is bitterness. Bitterness comes as a result. It's the filter that is the result of unresolved hurt, unresolved conflict. Bitterness is, is a deep wound that our life filters through. And the way that you deal with bitterness is you got to pray it off of yourself. You got to pray bitterness off. You got to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal that unresolved hurt in you. And it may be with someone, it may be with, it may be somebody that's not even in your world anymore. It may be about a situation, a church, a leader, a job, an ex spouse, a current spouse. It could be all kinds of stuff that we got to, and if not, then we've just become bitter. And we don't want to be bitter. We want to live out peace and joy. The fourth one is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is big. Unforgiveness is, is really letting, forgiveness is letting somebody off the hook. Unforgiveness is keeping them. And in essence, when we don't forgive, we imprison ourselves because of what somebody else did to us by not releasing them. You say, well, I've said I forgive them, but I don't feel anything. Just keep saying it. It'll, the feelings will come. They will. Forgiveness has nothing to do with your feelings. 
It's an act of faith. Let me say that one more time. Forgiveness has absolutely nothing to do with your feelings. It's an act of faith. Well, what if I don't feel like they've forgiven it? That's not the point. The point is, is that you're releasing them. The feelings will come. Just give it time. It might take two weeks. It might take two years. But you just keep praying for them. And the moment that you can pray for them in peace without wanting to kill them, you made it. <laughs> and here's the last one is envy. Envy. This is a big one. The Bible calls this coveting. And this leads to comparison. And this happens a lot in our world now because of social media, because we're looking at everybody else's you know, highlight reel. And we're going, why can't my family be like that? Why can't my marriage look like that? Why can't my kids be that nice? And why can't my, you know, why can't I? And we, so we start envying. Say, why, didn't, why don't I have a new car? Why don't I get a new house? And why couldn't I go on that vacation? And what's wrong with me, God? And I want to be like them. Listen, if, we, if you were like them, one of you would be irrelevant. So God created you to be who God created you to be. You have a purpose and a calling that's yours. Quit comparing yourself to everybody else. Let's stop doing that. Let's stop comparing ourselves. If, if you need to take a break from social media, just remove it from your phone. Take a 30, 30, 45 day hiatus and just fast social media. If it messes with you, I did it, it messed with me. I used to compare myself to other pastors. Why is their church growing and why they got this new building? I'm like, man, come on, God, what's wrong with you? Because <laughs> God pointed put the responsibility on him. I finally just had to stop. I had to stop looking at it. Because it was messing with me until I could deal with it maturely, maturely. Okay, so that's the first is the, is the hurt believer. The second is found in, 16, in verse 16 and 17. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. Everybody say stony ground. stony ground. Who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Amen, hallelujah, bless the Lord. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately, notice twice, immediately receive it, immediately they stumble. Okay, this is the shallow heart, or we can call it the unstable believer. This is the person who is unstable, the, the, the over-emotional believer. There's nothing wrong with emotions, nothing wrong with feelings. We all have feelings. We need to express our feelings. That's what my counselor tells me all the time. That's a joke. Sort of. <laughs> you need to express. But feelings, listen to me. Feelings are a terrible leader. They are a horrible leader. You do not want your feelings to lead you. And what ends up happening a lot of times with believers is we create, we have what's called feeling-based faith. Our faith is based on how we feel instead of on the Word of God. Our faith is, I, my faith is good as long as I feel good. My faith is high as long as I like that worship song. My faith is good as long as I did the right thing. My faith is good. Look, your faith, I'm going to shock you, has nothing to do with your performance. Has nothing to do with your merit. Has nothing to do with whether you're good or bad. Your faith has to do with what Jesus did 
That's why it is so pure. If it was based on merit, then we could, we could all be at different levels when it comes to our faith. And that's why Jesus said, just like Pastor Penny said, that faith, like a mustard seed, it's not the quantity, it's the quality. And so if we allow our feelings to control us, our feelings, then tribulation and persecution will come. And if it doesn't feel good, then we'll walk away from it. I just don't feel like it. I just, I don't feel, I don't feel the presence of God. Well, does that make him not here? Who made you the barometer of the Holy Spirit? Well, I just didn't feel that. People say, I don't feel led. What does that even mean? Feel led. That doesn't even, like, I don't even understand that. Like, feel led. I don't feel... This has nothing to do with feelings. we got to get, get away from that. Now, again, 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 I'm, I'm not saying that feelings are bad. They're just not good leaders. We want to be led by our faith. Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs says, it is foolish to follow your own opinions. It's foolish. It's foolish. Feelings tell you you're tired. So don't get up and read the Bible. Feelings tell you to quit. When you got a little more left in you. Feelings tell you to stay down. Feelings tell you problems are bigger than your God. Because it just, it just feels like, you know, I'm never going to get out of this. It feels like this. Oh, God, I just feel, oh, I just feel so bad. Now, here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't walk by our senses. We walk by faith. Faith says there is more in you than you think. Faith says that mountains can be moved. Faith says a big God and a little problem. Faith says when you fall down, come on, you do a burpee and then get back up. Then you get back up. So when you're down there, you might as well go ahead and get in shape while you're down there. Just get back up, do a burpee. Come on, do a burpee and then get back up. Come on. I know we don't want to. I'm not going to get you to do it. But just next time you fall down, just get back up doing a burpee. Just get back up and doing a burpee. That's what faith says. Here's the third one. Here's the third one. Here's the third one. Mark 4, 18 and 19. Remember, Jesus is just explaining this for us. This is the key. This is how we grow. It's determined upon our heart. We've got, we've got the, the hard heart, the hurt believer. We've got the shallow heart, the unstable believer. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Now, I highlighted this because this means that at one point it was fruitful. So this ground at some point in its development was yielding some sort of fruit. It was producing something. But what happened? What happened? The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, worry, wealth, and want. Worry, wealth, and want crept in and choked what was producing fruit. So what kind of, this is the distracted heart. Or if you want to look at it from the believer, this is the complacent believer. The complacent believer is the one that gets comfortable where they are and they become unfruitful. They get complacent. They get apathetic. They, they, because of what they've seen and they experienced, they become indifferent 
to the things that are around them. And as a result, lose their focus. We can easily lose our focus on cares, cash, and comparison. And those cares, those, that cash and that comparison crowd God out of the equation. He's still there, but he's just in the middle of the crowd with everything else around it. The cares of this world, riches and wealth and success that the world says, hey, you, it's an American dream. You just need, just buy a bigger house and a bigger house and a bigger house. So then our life becomes all about, nothing wrong with big houses, nothing wrong with nice cars. But we, what we don't want those things to do is crowd God out of our situation. Amen. Jesus told a story in Luke chapter 14 uh, of a marriage invitation. That he, he, he sent one of his servants out. He tells this parable of a servant went out to invite these people to come and come to his marriage. And, and the first one said to him, hey, I can't come to the supper because I, I bought a piece of land and I have to go check it out. The second one said, I bought some oxen, I need to test them. And the third one said, I just got married, and, you know, she doesn't want me to go anywhere. And that's exactly what happens in our life. We, we're connected so much, we get an invitation to go a step deeper, but we begin to find excuses because other things have crept in and pulling us away and crowding out the things of God. And he wants us to grow. He wants us to, to experience more. So he gives us just a subtle invitation. Hey, why don't you serve and be an usher? Why don't you get involved in the parking lot? Ah, oh, you know what? Can't do it. Mm. We have soccer practice on Saturdays and Sundays. and I can come once a month, but I just want to come to church. I don't want to participate. You know, I just, I just want to just come. Just a subtle invitation. Somebody invites you to a life group. Ah, man, you know, just can't, can't do it. I got, I got it. I got this. I got to go check this out. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to. So things crowd out. And, and what it, God's just given us, he's not going to push us. He's not going to force us. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He just subtly invites us. He says, hey, do you want to come? Oh, no, you know, I love to come, but just got a new girlfriend. Have, now watch young people. Man, they just go off the rails. It's like. They find a girlfriend, they get a boyfriend, zoom, they're gone. I don't see them. I don't see them until three years later. And sadly, they're going through a divorce because they just got crowded God out of their life. Well, there's nothing wrong with having a boyfriend, nothing wrong with having a girlfriend. There's nothing wrong with those things. But when they push you away from God, and it's subtle, it's complacency, it's apathy, it's just this indifference that happens. And so Jesus is saying, look, be careful when the seed comes and it becomes unfruitful. And then here's the last one, and this is the one we want to be. And these are the ones sown on good ground. Everybody say good ground. Good ground. Those who hear the word, and I like this, accept it. I looked up this word accept, and it means to receive deliberately. That's what it means. It's, it's a deliberate, I want this from you. I am seeking this from you. I'm going to take this from you. I want it from you. That's what he means. So those who hear the word, hey, I want that. That is what I need. I, I accept it and bear fruit. Bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. This is, this is the productive heart. 
or the effective believer. And the effective believer has a whole different mindset. They see things so much differently. They, 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 have, they think legacy. They, they, think, they think significance. They, they think future. They think selfless. They think serve. It's, it's, it's not intake, but impact. It's not about what I can get. It's about how can I impact something. It's not how much, but who else? Who else do I need to touch? Who else do I need to talk to? It's not 36. I, I, I'm going to bear fruit. I'm going to have 30, 60, 100-fold return. I think that's why he said 30, 60, 100. It wasn't just one. He said, listen, you can, all those are pretty stinking good. 30-fold return, three, 30 times, what you, that's pretty good. 60 times, that's pretty good. 100 times, that's pretty good. But it's not how much, it's who else. Who else can I invite the church? Who else can I talk to at work? Who else do I need to pray for? Who else do I need to lift up? Who else do I need to reach out to? And then, and then it's not what I can get, but where I can give. Where, where can I give? This is, this is the effective believer. This is the person who's thinking the future. I want to grow. I want to be fruitful. I want to change the world for the sake of Jesus Christ. Why don't you stand up on your feet with me? I don't know about you, but I want to grow. I want to keep growing. I don't ever want to stop growing. I found myself, to be honest with you, I found myself in every one of these areas, every one of these hearts. I've been situations where I've been hurt and I just wanted to quit you know I didn't I didn't want to do this anymore I was like man I just God you can find somebody else I've been in the situation I think we can all probably connect with one of these types of soils but I think the way when Jesus explains this you don't have to stay there you can move the, the word is no respecter of persons. And his word is true. It's powerful. It will help you discern. If you feel stuck, kind of stuck where you are. Let me tell you, God, God, if you just accept it and just say, God, by faith, I'm going to receive everything that you have for me. I've been, I've been in that situation where the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches... I've been there. We, we've all we've all can say that there are things that sometimes have crowded out. I remember when Penny and I got first married, and and I started doing business and and being successful, and I was like, man, this this is working good. Next thing I know, we were skipping church. I stepped out from serving. I blamed it on them. I blamed it on the people. I said, y'all aren't organized and whatever. But I stopped serving. It was me. I could have been a part of the solution instead of complaining about the problem. I think we've all been in a position where we've been complacent, kind of sat back, and just kind of coasted for a little while. But maybe today's the day where you decide, God, I want to grow. I want to take that step. I want to go from, from a hard heart to an effective heart. I want to go from a shallow heart to an effective heart. I want to I be productive in my life. I want to grow. So why don't you just close your eyes right where you are, bow your head. I want to pray for you before we go. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that we are a representation of the soils. And God, I thank you, Lord, that, that 
that you are no respecter of persons, that your presence is here in this place today. Father, you can, because of your word, because of the sowing of your word that's happened tonight, you can change our heart from being hard to being productive, from being shallow to being productive, crowded to being productive. If you're here, every head bowed, every eye closed, and maybe you're in that place. Maybe you've been hard-hearted. Maybe there's some areas of your life because of hurt. And you want to let the Holy Spirit come in. Maybe there's some people you need to forgive. Maybe you've been offended. Maybe you're, maybe people have been telling you you're a little prideful, bitter, comparing yourself. If that's you, just put your hand on your heart. I want to pray for you. Maybe, maybe you're here and you've allowed your feelings to kind of determine your direction. Just put your hand on your heart. I want to pray for you. Or maybe you're here today and things have crowded out God. I've been so focused on business that God's become second. I've been so focused on a relationship that God has become second. Just put your hand on your heart. So, Father, we just come before you, God, honest, vulnerable. God, we ask you to heal our hearts. Till up the ground, whatever it takes. Break that hard ground. Help us to see the areas of bitterness and envy and unforgiveness and offense that we need to step away from. God, forgive us, Lord, for for being hard. Putting unrealistic expectations on people, God. You'll never let us down. Sometimes people do. So, Father, we release those. Father, thank you for, for helping us not be led so much by our feelings, God, but let our faith grow in your word. We can trust your word. We can step out on your word, be obedient to your word. Father, help us to deal with those stressful and pressure-filled moments led by faith and not our feelings. And Father, forgive us for allowing the cares of this world and success, the American dream, money to pull us away once that aren't lined up with you. God, we, we know that worship is really the war. And so, Father, help us to just really walk away from those things. Reveal in our life, God, the areas that we need you in to be Lord over. In Jesus' name, we love you. We bless you, and we honor you today in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap today.